I was fascinated with looking at the stars and the moons and the planets. And uh, I would look through this telescope and I would wonder how far away the moon was or how the moon actually looked and why the stars, or some of them, were brighter than the others. Or how many planets really, you know, were they out there? I'm sure most of us have looked up at the sky and gazed at night at one point in time or another. I remember when I was stationed in Germany and I would go out to the field and conduct training exercises in this place called Hornsfield, Germany. Hornsfield is a little city in Germany where the military, the army, goes and brings all their equipment there uh, that are in Europe for the most part in that little area region. And we'll all go there and do our training exercises and maneuvers because it's a big enough city and it's on the outskirts and has enough woods and so forth where we don't have to worry about being involved with the civilian populace and we can conduct our exercises uninterrupted. When I would be out at night, I would look up at the stars and the moon and I would say to myself, the same moon here in Germany is the exact same moon back in the United States. There was no difference to it. And they said, okay, what, what's so fascinating about that? Because I would think that I'm thousands of miles away. Thousands. I was amazed by that. Thousands of miles away from my family and my friends and my loved ones. And I was looking up and I could see the exact same thing that my family or my friends might be looking at at that exact same moment. But we're only thousands of miles separated. It was different people looking from different places at different times and seeing the same exact thing. Different people looking from different places at, the, at different times and seeing the exact same thing. The vision for us, Divine Connection Community Church, and the message for the Trinity Church is the year of a new moon. It's the year of a new moon. A lot of things, you know, make us happy. My wife for Christmas, you know, made me happy. I got a, got a Bible. I mean, brand new Bible. I can start back over the one I had. I had since I've gotten saved, or I'd gotten saved in 93. And this, like how the elders said, it's coming apart. You know, they could rebind it for about 300 bucks, my wife said. But for that amount, I could have bought a brand new Bible. But she's like, no, keep that Bible. You know, it's yours. You grew up with it. And I said, yeah, but let me start something different, man. You know, in a new Bible. So I have my... No, my, I have my new Bible. What does that have to do with the message stuff? I just wanted to throw that out there. <laughs> Alright. The definition, or the best definition for a moon that I could find came in etymology.com. Didn't think it would be that hard to find the definition of a moon. But it was. And it says that the moon is a heavenly body that revolves around the earth in a month. A heavenly body that revolves around the earth in a month. It actually goes counterclockwise. The moon takes about 27 to 28 days for it to complete one revolution around the earth. 27 to 28 days. Some say 28 to 29. We can split the difference. We say 28 days for it to make one revolution around the earth. Around the earth. A month, a month is a measurement of time that corresponds nearly to the period of the moon's revolution around the earth. The month is about four weeks or 30 days. 
So month and moon mean the same thing. Didn't know that, right? Didn't. I, until I started doing this research into the moon. The Lord gave me that. So I mentioned about the, the my wife gave me this Bible because the first page and chapter that I opened up to was Psalms 81. And I started reading it and it talked about a new moon. And I was like, okay, Lord. So I, he had me to stay there. So I started doing the research on it and then this is some of the things that the Lord had brought to my to my attention. Did you know that the surface of the moon is made up of silicon, aluminum, calcium, magnesium, iron, titanium, sodium, dioxide, and lime? No. Once again, what does that mean? Nothing. Just once again, I can throw something else in there. Okay. The two biblical significance of the new moon is this. It's found where I want you to go to first is put a bookmark or a place mark there because we're going to come back to it. It's going to be Revelation, the third chapter. That is where we're going to. Okay, but we're going to make one stop in between now and there. But Revelation, the third chapter, is where we're going to. The two biblical significance of a new moon. Everybody said, oh, in the back. It's going to be in the red words. This one is chapter 3. Once again, before we get there, we're going to make a brief stop in Numbers, the 28th chapter, the very first verse. So Numbers, the 28th chapter, the first verse. If you don't want to go there, I'll read this to you. The first significance of a new moon is in chapter 28, verse 1. And the Lord said to the children of Israel, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Command the children of Israel, and say unto them, My offering and my bread for my sacrifices made by fire for a sweet Savior unto me shall be observed to offer unto me in their due season. In their due season. Well, how did they mark seasons? Okay, they didn't have a calendar. They marked it by what? The days. And the end of what? Months. Or the moon. Okay? One way that they did that was every time the revolution of the moon would happen, they would see the new moon. And I will go into the explanation of that. So it was by the revolution of the moon around the earth. One revolution around the earth equates to a month, which represented a dawning of a new moon. The dawning of a new moon. A new moon represented a new beginning to the children of Israel. That's what God told them this. It also represented a time of burnt offerings unto the Lord. In that same chapter, 28 of uh, Numbers, verse 11, it says, more importantly, in the beginning of your month, ye shall offer a burnt offering unto the Lord. So the Lord said, at the beginning of the month is when I want you to do this. He wasn't changing. So how did they know the beginning of a month? They marked it by looking at the new moon. This is how they marked their times, their days, their seasons, by the rotation of the moon. Yes, there was a day, but then there was also months. So many days obviously equate to a month. Well, how were they able to tell a new moon from a full moon? The moon goes through phases. Didn't know that. As it rotates counterclockwise around the earth, it goes through the first phase, a new moon, a waxing crescent moon. You see those little crescent moons? Which means that the moon is getting bigger. First quarter moon, a 
waxing gibbous moon, which is just the, the shape of a moon, which we would think would be uh, three quarters of a moon. Uh, and then a full moon, and then it goes from a full to lesser to a waning moon, W-A-N-I-N-G, gibbous moon, a waning gibbous moon. So then it goes to three quarters clo uh, 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 close or uh, less, and then it goes to the third quarter moon, which is a little bit less than that, and then it goes to a waning crescent moon, which is just that crescent, and then it goes right back into a new moon. So the this is the earth, this is the moon going around the earth, while the earth goes around the sun. Okay? So the moon, and then it's going around the sun. So you're going from a full moon, where really no moon at all, to a crescent moon, from a crescent to a three-quarters of a moon, or half a moon, then three-quarters of a moon, then to a full moon, and then it goes lesser. When it stopped and they couldn't see anything, they knew that that was the new moon. The new moon was on the horizon because they would see what the crescent moon, and then they would see it getting full. So if they see the crescent, this is the dawn, or dawning, of a new beginning, the dawning of a new meaning, a beginning. That was the significance of that to them. Now, the children of Israel had different people to watch for the dawning of the new moon. That's how they knew it. When they would see it, they would blow the trumpets and the horns, and they would make this sound. And they would, that would let people know, hey, the new moon is here. And then that way they could start their, uh, their burnt offerings unto the Lord. The second significance of a new moon, that is, the moon that does not give off its light, it or well, the second significance, I should say, about the new moon is, which I didn't really know until I started doing my research, is the moon doesn't give off its own light. The moon only reflects light. The moon, in and of itself, gives off no light at all. It reflects light off of the sun. It reflects light off of the sun. I'm going to park that there. We're going to come back and pick that child up in a minute. The moon represents us. We should be reflecting the light of Jesus Christ on the world from the S-O-N of God. The S-U-N reflects the light off of the moon. And then the moon shines the light on the what? Earth. Maybe I'll get on that time. So the, the sun, S-U-N, shines the light on the moon. And it shines it on the earth. The S-O-N shines light on you. And you shine your light on the I think you get it. But our light, the church, does not reflect that light of Jesus Christ now, which is the moon, us. We have stopped reflecting the light of the S-O-N of Jesus Christ. So that's why the title of this message is, for this year, A New Moon. We need to be a new moon this year, saints. We need to be a new moon. We've stopped being the reflection of Christ. You stopped that. Now God looks
looks at the church as a whole. He doesn't look at the church as an individual. Individuals make up a whole. That's why he looks at my wife and I as what? One flesh. He doesn't look at us individually. He looks at, at us as one. So he looks at the church. Well, I'm doing good. Well, that's, that's good for you. But what about the rest of the body? So the fingers work, but the legs don't. So what good is that, right? Then my transportation or my, my, or my mobility is limited. So God looks at the whole, not the half. Now, let's go to Revelations. This is another message for another day, but I'll give you this one here. Okay? Saints, every church, every church is one of these seven. That's free. Okay? I say it to the people there at home, who are listening, or watching. Every church is a part of one of these seven. This message is to the church of Sardis. And he writes, this is uh, chapter 3 in Revelation, verse 1, which is not Revelations, but the book of the Revelation. Singular. It was one Revelation. Broken up into many parts. And it's chapter 3, verse 1. I'm reading from the New Living Translation because this really gives a good explanation of it. And here we go. Write this, verse 1, to the angel of the church of Sardis. This is the message from the one who has the sevenfold spirit of God and the seven stars. I know all the things you do in that you have a reputation of being alive, but you are what? Verse 2, wake up. Strengthen what little remains, for even what is left is almost dead. I find that your actions do not meet the requirements of my God. Go back to what you heard and believe at first and hold firmly. Some translations read, go back and do your what? First works all over again. And you hear me say that an awful lot. So now you know where I got it from. Repent and turn to me again. If you don't wake up, I will come to you suddenly as unexpected as a thief. Verse 4. Yet, there are some in the church of Sardis who have not soiled their clothes with the evil. They will walk, or, yeah, they will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. All who are victorious will be clothed in white. I will never erase their names from the book of life, but I will announce before my Father and his angels that they are mine. Anyone, who, uh, anyone with ears to hear, listen, or must listen rather, to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. Verse 7, we're going down to 13. This is the church of Philadelphia. This is to the church that has endured. <coughs> Write this letter to the church, or to the angel of the church in Philadelphia. This is the message from the one who is holy and true, the one who has the key of David. What opens, uh, what he opens, no one can close. What he closes, no one, no one can open. I know all the things you do, and I have opened a door for you that no one can close. You have little strength, yet you obeyed my word and did not deny me. Verse 9, look, I will force those, I will force those, my Lord, who belong to Satan's synagogue, whose, whose liars who say they are Jews but are not, to come and bow down at your feet. They will acknowledge that you are the ones I love. Verse 10, because you have obeyed my command 
to persevere. I will protect you from the great time of testing that will come upon the whole world to test those who belong to this world. Where do you think we're at now? Where do you think we're at right now? Verse 11. I am coming soon. Hold on to what you have, my Lord, so that no one will take it away or take away your crown. Verse 12. All who are victorious will become pillars in the temple of my God, and they will never have to leave it. And I will write on them the name of my God, and they will be citizens of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem that comes down from heaven from my God and will always write on them and I will always write on them my new name. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word. Where do you think we're at now church? Where do you think the world is at right now? With this divisiveness Jesus is the sun that shines his light on the moon, which is us. We are to reflect our light on the world. Everything in our universe revolves around the sun, the S-U-N. Mm. The sun shines its light on the world in the daytime. We are here to shine our light on the dark places of the world. Light shines its brightest. Remember, light shines its brightest in darkness. You don't need a flashlight in daytime. So you don't need a flashlight in church, right? We don't need to play church in church. It's outside the church where we need to shine, right? In the midst of darkness. Light shines its brightest in darkness. What I mean to say by that is just don't let your light shine here in church on Sundays. But let your light shine on all the days and areas of your life. Just adding a little bit of light in a dark place becomes a guide to someone else in darkness that is looking for a way out. We are called to be a peculiar people. But if we act, dress, think, and embrace the same things the world does, then whose light are we reflecting? The Lord says in 1 Peter 2 and 9, But be ye, or but ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Our Heavenly Father made two great lights. Remember, the greater light to rule the day, and the lesser light to rule the night, which was the moon. Just like the Son of God, S-O-N, who is the greater light, and He reflects His glory on us. We are His new moon that should be reflecting His glory on the earth. The church has become, or has to become, rather, a new moon. It has to. Genesis uh, chapter 1, verse 26, it reads, And God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness. We are allowing, or are we rather, allowing his likeness to shine through us. Or, 
are we allowing the light of this world to shine through us? Which light are we reflecting on this world? Proverbs chapter 6, verse 16 through 19. Proverbs chapter 6, 16. You don't have to go there. I just want to read this to you. 6, uh, 16 through 19. And this is the English Standard Version. And it reads, There are six things that the Lord hates. Seven that are an abomination. A haughty eyes, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that make haste to run to evil. Doesn't say I don't care about evil, but those that do what? Run. Run to go do evil. A false witness who breathes out lies and one who sows discord among the brethren. May the Lord bless you to the reading of his word. Now, this, this is free. We, we talk about a lot of things in this world, right? About what God doesn't like. As if there are big eyes and little use to God. God puts lying on the same category as what? Shedding innocent blood. Right? How many times have you heard that? People killing each other, or you know, this happening, or abortion. I've heard that, you know, within the last couple of weeks. And you know what he puts on the same plane as abortion or killing innocent life? What? Lying. Let me read it again. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue. A lying tongue and a person bearing false witness, okay, is two different things. They're both lying, but one is bearing false witness against someone else. I'm lying, say, hey man, look, yeah, I, I, I got $20, I'll let you borrow. No, I ain't got $20, and I'm not going to let you borrow. Okay? That's just a an example. Why am I standing in this matter? Because there are no big eyes and little use with God. God looks at sin as sin. You can murder people with your mouth. You can destroy their soul with your mouth. That's the same way as killing someone. It is on the same plane. I'm positive of it. Go back and read Proverbs 6 and 16 through 19 and tell me anything different. God is just. He's not fair. Okay? There is no fairness in God. There's only just in God. What you consider to be fair is not fair. What God considers to be just is just. I've said that. God is not fair. He's just. I did not think it was fair for my child to die. Right? But God is just, not because my son did anything different. God says, why not yours? God looks at it all the same. He has no respect of person. If he put one sin above another, then that would be what? A respect of person. All of it is sin. What we have to do is to be mindful of that. If it's wrong, it's wrong. It doesn't make a difference who's doing it. doesn't make a difference where it's coming from. It's wrong. Stop upholding it. Be a reflection of Christ. The church. The church. 
has stopped being a reflection of Jesus Christ. People have said, well, Bishop, do you think God has taken his hand off of the country? Are you serious? That's been happening. These events recently didn't start that. That's been happening. Because we stopped making God our God. We stopped that. And God is showing evidence of that. My people, God doesn't come back for individuals. He comes back for the church. Okay? The church. Not one person. Not because she's doing well. I'm just going to pick her up. Or she's keeping it right. I'm coming back for the church. I need the church to get it right. I need the church to get it right. Stop being a reflection of this world. Make a difference between what's clean and what's unclean. What's holy and what's not holy. What's right and what's... Listen, if I'm acting, there's nothing wrong with, with emotionalism and going out there looking and dressing and acting like the world. I have no problem with that. But when someone that's on the outside, who you don't know is looking at you, is looking for light external from them, and they see me acting and dressing and doing and saying the same things they're doing, then what light am I to them? What beacon am I to them or to them of hope? They need that. Do you know people are watching you when you don't know you're being watched? Don't allow the devil to take your testimony. Don't allow them to take your testimony. You're out there, once again, I just got to put it out there. Okay? If you're out there sipping and drinking and smoking and, and token, then what's the difference between you and the world? For someone who's trying to get off of alcohol. Right? I'm not telling you what to do and what not to do. All I'm asking you to do is to be a peculiar people to God. That's it. I need you to be a, a reflection of, if we need it, saints anywhere, we need it now. We need it now. God is coming back for the church. In closing, God is coming back for the church. The church universal. The Catholic church. Not the Roman Catholic church. Catholic means universal. Okay? So he's coming back for the church universal. He said that what judgment starts where? At the house of God. So he's starting to clean up the church. First, my bride. The church is the bride of Christ. Christ is the bridegroom. Now look at the way the bride looks. Look at it from our perspective, saints. We're called to be up here, not down here. So look at it from Christ's perspective. How does my bride look? Those people that were supposed to prepare my bride for my return, the pastors, ministers, look at them. God says what? Here, I have a, I have a problem with you. I have a problem with you. You haven't done the right thing. It's up to us to tell them to do the right thing. God holds us accountable. We have some of our older saints in here. I heard the 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 uh, the brother the, the deacon talk about it the other day. That's history. Paving the way. This is the way you're supposed to be. This is the way things are supposed to go. Whether they like it or not, give it to them and let it go. You're held responsible. For what you say and what you don't say. Then that's on you. You knew what to do and you didn't do it. And you knew what to say and you didn't say it. If it's wrong, it's wrong, saints. Don't try to shine that light. 
spirit to run to go do evil, to think evil, to follow other people to do evil. Don't do that. Don't follow other people in their wrong. If it's wrong, it's wrong. Move away. Ask God to give you the strength. That's what it's called, courage and strength to move away. Be a reflection, saints. Maybe stand. Be a new moon. Be a new moon.